0: I'm going to go ahead and warn y'all, pretty fired up about this morning. (laughs) I'm excited. Man, I'm excited. You're already hear from God. You're not here from me this morning, you're here from God. I pray, I pray, I pray, God, I don't want these to be my words, I want these to be your words. And that's what we're going to be doing today, we're going to be looking at the Word of God. If you don't know me, my name is Caleb. I have the privilege to be your worship pastor. And I want to say this, man, I love our church. I love our church. And not just our Noonan campus sitting here, our LaGrange campus. Love y'all. It's amazing to hear what God is doing in your campus. All of you watching online, whether you're on vacation, whether you're sick, whatever it may be, I'm grateful that we have this opportunity right here, right now, to come into the presence of God and hear from Him. I mean, what a privilege this is that we get to be in the presence of God and hear from Him. So at all of our campuses, and even online, if you're sitting at home, will you stand with me? I want us to read some scripture together. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 8, 5 through 13. It says this, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to Him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes. I tell that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go. Let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, there is no one like you. There is no one that compares to you. God, and today we are standing in your presence, believing in who who you are. God, believing as we just sang, God, that we get to put our faith in you. We want to see you do amazing things. We want to see you do it again. We want to move mountains. God, today, give us ears to hear. God, open our heart to your word, to what you want to teach us. God, I pray I only say the words you want me to say, and I shut up when I don't need to speak. God, come and move today. Lord, we want to see lives change for your glory and your honor. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I already gave you all a warning. I'm fired up. All right, so get prepared. Take a sip of water, whatever you need to do, because we're going to jump into this. I want to tell you a quick story. Today, we are talking about faith, and it's so cool to see how worship interacts with what we're going to be learning about. We just sang that song about faith, and we talked about, God, give us this faith. Lord, help our unbelief. We have faith every day in many different things. All of you got up today, and you had faith that you walk outside and that your car would start, all right? You might not have even thought about it. I have to think about it every single morning, all right? I walk out in faith, and I'm like, all right, God, I'm trusting that my car is going to start. For those of you who don't know what I drive, I drive a 2000 Grand Prix, all right, yeah. I don't know. I guess soon I'll be able to get the classic license plate. It might be the only Grand Prix on the road with a classic license plate, all right? But you have faith. You, you came in here, you walked in, you sat down in this chair, and whether you realized it or not, you had faith that was going to hold you up. We have faith in so many different things. One of the big things around our community in South Atlanta is when the fair comes to town. Okay. Every time I see the fair come to town, I start seeing these signs, and I see the fair rides literally going down the interstate. I start thinking about faith. Because I'm like... Look at this thing. This thing's about to go 400 miles an hour, upside down, spinning and twisting, and people are going to put their lives in that thing. Then you stand in line and you look at the guy that put it together, you're like, I don't think he's an engineer. You're like, you know what? I don't know about this. Quick story where Lauren and I, my wife, we, we met in college freshman year. And One of the things when you always meet somebody is, you know, especially when you're off at college, you're about to spend four years with people, you ask them, hey, where are you from, all that stuff, and so I asked her, where are you from, she's like North Georgia, and she asked me, I said, well, I'm from Cobb County, it's not too far away, but I was close to the Douglasville side of things, but I always give everybody this frame of reference just because everyone knew where it's at, I was like, I lived about ten minutes away from Six Flags, and she was like, Six Flags, a little bit more country accent than that, but she's like, Six Flags, she loved it, and so I did what only a smart man would do, I said, hey, listen, give me your number and we'll go to Six Flags sometime, all right? And it worked, all right? We're married now, we got two kids, all because of Six Flags, all right? So I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. Yeah, look at this. I'm a man of my word, and I took her to Six Flags. 13 years later, two months ago, I took her to Six Flags. <laughs> she, she would look at me multiple times just throughout the years, but like, remember, you told me you were gonna take me to Six Flags. So now I got a picture to prove it. Yeah, a couple months ago, we're like, let's just go have some fun. Let's act like kids again. We went to Six Flags by ourselves, had a blast. We walk in, first ride that we ride is Goliath. Okay, I used to have a season's pass to Six Flags growing up because I lived that close for like 10 years, but I haven't been in forever. So we step up and we walk on Goliath, your adrenaline's going, you're excited, you're standing, you see people going up screaming like crazy, you're like, yeah, they're dead. All right. And then you get on and you realize this tiny little seatbelt is about to hold me into this. And you start looking around and, you know, they're checking your seat and they keep calling out numbers that like aren't fitting right. And you're like, wait, was that my number? Is that me? Am am I, am I about to fall off of this thing? But we put our faith in so many things that sometimes we don't think about, we don't process through, but faith is such a big part of our life. And those were obviously very, uh, basic understandings of faith. Today we're going to dig in and look at this concept of how do we strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ? And who he wants us to be. So let's jump into the story that we just read from Matthew chapter 8. I want to give you a quick historical background on the story. So you see, as we read this story about this Roman centurion, the Romans were Gentiles that were surrounded by Jews. And there was this tension, this constant rub, this power between the Gentiles and Jews, but specifically the Romans versus the Jews. And... Jesus had literally just got done preaching what might be his most famous or popular sermon, literally the chapter before this, where he was teaching on the Beatitudes, he was teaching on salt and light, he was teaching on the narrow gate and the wide gate, and on prayer. And then also he was teaching on loving your enemy. So what I love about Jesus is he is so intentional. He had literally just taught about loving your enemy. It says he came down... Was walking into Capernaum. This large crowd was still following him. And he teaches them something that he had just told them about loving your enemy. Because you see, this Roman centurion represented the power struggle they were having, the, that they were under the subjection of the Roman authority. Because this is where the Bible's detail is so amazing. The Bible literally could have just said a man walked up to Jesus and said, hey, my friend is sick. My friend is hurting. But the Bible was so specific that it said a Roman centurion walked up to Jesus and told him about this. You see, this Roman centurion would have been over about a 100 men. He would have had so much authority. He would have had all these different things at his disposal so the Bible was very strategic in using this. Depending on the version of your Bible, it's probably titled, The Faith of the Centurion. So today, let's look at our faith. Let's make sure we start with a good working definition of faith. And I also love that the Bible gives us this definition. Let's look at Hebrews 11:1. It says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. If you want to write that down, you can. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's the greatest definition you're ever going to find of faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So what is, it says confidence. Confidence is complete trust. Complete trust is a big part of faith. And then I love that it also just reiterates, reiterates it where it talks about assurance, where that is the confidence That we are supposed to have You know sometimes we get faith confused With a one time event And yes there is a one time event Where we place our faith In Christ Salvation Where we say Jesus be the Lord and Savior of my life But faith doesn't stop there That's the initial starting point Where faith continues to build And build and build and be strengthened And strengthened In who Jesus is And who he says that we are So, how can we have faith like this centurion? The first thing that we can do in understanding this concept of faith is ask. A simple word, right? Ask. But what this is, is the centurion came to Jesus with the motivation to ask the person that could change his situation. You see, faith first starts with where you are at, in the process, a lot of times we want to jump to the end of the process. That God, I want the miracle. God, I want the answer. But you first have to remember to ask. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that say, man, I'm really struggling with this. I'm struggling with, with my family. I'm struggling with my job. I'm struggling with this disease. I'm struggling with this family member that, that is needing my help and I need wisdom. And, and I get to I ask him, wait, what has God told you? Well, I really haven't talked to him about it. What do you mean you haven't talked to God about it? His word says, Cast your cares upon me because he cares for you. Don't be afraid to talk to God and approach him because what you're doing is you're immediately showing God the condition of your heart. When you're willing to go to God and say, Lord, this is where I'm at, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but God, this is where I'm at. I need this help. Or God, I need this healing. God, I need this wisdom. I need this patience. Are you willing to go to God and ask? You see, I love how this story is laid out because Jesus had shown his track record already. And the centurion knew that one of the qualities of, about Jesus was that he did care for people. I love the way Luke explains it when it says, when he heard about Jesus. When he heard about Jesus... Okay, what did he hear about him? Let's look back at what we were talking about from the previous chapter in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news about the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those who were having seizures and paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. You know what this tells me? When the centurion heard about Jesus, he said, that is my answer. That's my answer. I have to go to Jesus and present my problem. I have to go to Jesus and approach him. I have to ask him. As a Roman centurion, I I love this thought as a Roman centurion, he could have had all the resources at his disposal to help him find help. Could have had all of them. He could have gotten anything he wanted. And, you know, I kind of feel like maybe we're in a similar situation living in America. We have all of these resources all around us. I mean, think about it. Here in just a little while, you're going to be talking about where to go to lunch. You're going to name off 15 places and not be able to decide. You walk in the grocery store. And you go to the chip aisle, and there are four million chips that you get to pick from. But think about it on a deeper level. When we're having trouble, we have so many resources that are calling out to us, let me help, let me help, let me help. And guess what? It didn't matter how many resources the centurion had, he knew his best resource was Jesus. We have to be able to get to this point in our life and with our faith where we go, you know what? I know I have all these options. I know I have all these resources. But my best resource is Jesus. He used his best one. You know, I've been convicted before about who or what I run to when I'm looking for a solution. When I'm looking for an answer. When I'm looking for a healing. Do I run to Jesus first or do I run to someone else? Do I run to Jesus first or do I run to something else? We have to be willing to get to the spot where we go, you know what, Jesus, you are my first option. You are my second option. You are my third option. God, I am running to you because I need you. I need you to move. Because God, without you, I don't know what I have. He is our first option and our best option. And he always, always will be. You see, the faith of the centurion was put into action. And that's what when we run to Jesus and when we talk to him that is an action step for us to move. You know, he could have thought wow, man, that's cool. I hear that about Jesus. I really hope he, he comes and over to my house and heals my friend. He could have had an optimistic viewpoint. But he knew that he first had to take the action to go to Jesus. You see faith isn't passive let's be honest, too many times we wait for God to move when he's waiting for us to move. Might sound kind of hard at first. Too many times we're waiting for God to move when he's looking at us and saying, you know what? I've never changed. I've never moved. I'm waiting for you to move. Show your faith. Put it into action. Come and move. Because that centurion could have sat right there beside his his friend in the bed and said, you know what? Jesus can heal you. Jesus can heal you. He can heal you. I hope he comes. But he said, Jesus can heal you. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go tell him. I'm going to go find him. Let me explain the situation to him. Because I believe in who Jesus is. Let me go and ask him. You see, your first reaction in times of trouble shows where you place your faith. And let me say this. Our faith does not dictate Jesus' faithfulness. But your faith can be what prompts Jesus' faithfulness. We see this in the story, don't we? Your faith can be what prompts Jesus' faithfulness. So we first must ask ourselves, do we ask God first in a moment of faith, when our circumstances are tough, when we need a miracle, do we seek God first? The second thing we can learn from the centurion's faith is that he recognized Jesus' authority. We have to recognize who Jesus is to us and in our situation. When we look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 through 9, it says this The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. I love the way that he addresses Jesus. This Gentile, this Roman officer who was in a place where he wasn't welcome who's getting to encounter Jesus, looked at him and said, Lord. He called him Lord. He recognized who Jesus was and what he was capable of in his situation. You see this man, a centurion, who would have immediately demanded respect in every situation of his life, immediately gave respect to Jesus. This man who would have rose through the ranks because of his physical abilities, because of his fighting abilities, because of his leadership abilities, humbled himself before Jesus. Can you imagine the picture here? All these people around who don't want him there. And he's at Jesus' feet. This one version said he's pleading with Jesus. Do you recognize who Jesus is in your life? You know, the, this humbling of his heart teaches me this one thing about faith. The fulfillment of our faith starts with the attitude of our heart. Or, let me say it like this the position of your heart is much more important than the position of your title. Our faith reflects our heart. And what if the centurion would have come up to Jesus and not had this perspective? What if he would have come up to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a Roman centurion. Look at who I am. I demand that you come and heal my friend. I demand it. I think we'd be reading a different story right here. But this Roman centurion recognized that Jesus was Lord, recognized that he was sovereign over this situation. I love how he describes it. He says, You know what? I'm a man under authority. And I know you have authority over the situation. You see, his faith wasn't rooted in his own abilities. His faith wasn't rooted in his title or in his resources. His faith was rooted in Jesus' ability, Jesus' title, and Jesus' resources. What is your faith rooted in today? The really amazing thing about a relationship with Jesus Christ, the personal relationship that we get to have, Is that as imperfect people, we get to know a perfect God. And again, the Bible gives this detail, this Roman centurion, but it could have been about anybody. You see, it could have been about a shepherd, it could have been about a fisherman, it could be about a business owner, it could be about a stay at home mom, it could be about a teacher, it could be about a student. The reason this story is in the Bible is not because of this man's title, but because of this man's heart. Our faith starts with the condition of our heart. I also see that the centurion recognized that he could be 100% confident in Jesus. You see the depth of our faith, how it strengthens, is shown in the amount of confidence we place in Jesus to do what he says he's going to do. How did the centurion respond? I love this. He said, Jesus, I don't deserve to have you come to my house. You see, he responded to Jesus. He came. He presented the problem. And what I really like is that he never really even asked. He says, my servant's lying in in home, in bed. He's paralyzed. And Jesus says, do you want me to come and heal him? Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Jesus is looking at you and saying, "I'll come and heal you. I'll come and change you. I'll come and provide for you." And then He's looking at us at us to take this step of faith, just like the centurion. So, what did He say here? This is so profound to me. He looked at Jesus and said, "Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Just say the word." I love that. I mean, that is faith right there. Just say the word, Jesus and my servant will be healed. You see, his faith did not have stipulations around it. Jesus, you got to come to my house. You have to touch my servant. You have to pray over him. No, no, that's not faith. Faith with stipulations, you see, it tries to fit God in our will. Faith without stipulations Puts us in God's will. Let me say that one more time. Faith with stipulations, because sometimes we pray, God, do this, but you have to do it this way. God, I want to see you move, but you have to move in these parameters. Faith with stipulations put, puts God in our will, tries to. Faith without stipulations puts us in God's will. That's what this centurion was doing. He said, You know what? You don't even have to come to my house, I, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve for you to come under my roof. Just say the word because I recognize that you are the son of God. I recognize that you have the power to heal just like that. I recognize that you can do a miracle when there seems to be no way. I recognize who you are. You see this thought of authority. It, it just, it's, I started thinking about it because this centurion said, I have authority, but Jesus, I know you have the true authority. Authority means that you have power over something, that something must obey, it must listen to you. The centurion knew that one word from Jesus held far greater authority than any disease or injury that was in his friend's life. Today, maybe you need to remind yourself that one word from Jesus holds far greater authority than your disease, than your injury, than your circumstances. What if today we stood up and said, God, I just need one word. God, just say the word to me. Just say the word because you hold the authority. My situation doesn't hold the authority. My circumstances don't hold the authority. My disease doesn't hold the authority. One word from you holds all authority. That is the authority. That's the faith that we get to live with in our life. Jesus, just one word. Just say the word, and I'll move. Just say the word. See, this centurion had zero doubt that the disease or injury could be healed by Jesus. Zero doubt. There is no place for doubt in faith. Doubt and faith cannot coexist. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Again, put yourself in this scene, in this situation. This Roman officer is standing amongst all these Jews and Jesus looks at all of them and says he was amazed and said, I have not found this much faith in all of you. I bet they got quiet really fast. uh How can we strengthen our faith like this Roman centurion? We can by recognizing Jesus' power over our situation. Because just like Jesus spoke up to these people, Jesus will recognize our faith. Remember, Jesus is always faithful, but our faithfulness will prompt his faithfulness. Jesus was amazed. The third thing that we can learn from the centurion's faith is this. Believe. We must believe. I love that it says that Jesus was astonished and amazed. One translation even says Jesus marveled at the man. How cool is that? I pray I have faith like that. I pray our church has faith like that. That Jesus might look at us and be amazed at our faith. This original word used here, this word for astonished, amazed, marveled, is actually used later in Mark chapter 6, verse 6. But what's scary is it's used in the opposite direction. This is where it says, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. One version even says, lack of unbelief. This is mentioned when Jesus walked into his own hometown and was wanting to perform miracles. And their lack of faith, their lack of unbelief stood in the way. I wonder how many times we pray or we ask God for something, but we lack the faith to see the outcome. Or we're more focused on receiving the miracle Than having the faith. We must believe in who God says he is before we desire our answer to prayer. When we do it in that order, that puts the focus on Jesus and not our personal outcomes. Faith must be focused on Jesus. You know, I think we learn something very important about faith in Jesus from what he says to the centurion in verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed at that very hour. Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. You see, it doesn't say right there, hey, you believed it might happen. You believed it could happen. I love that it specifically uses the word right there, believed. You believed. The centurion had already made up his mind. God is able to do this and he's going to do this. You see, sometimes we live in the belief side of things, which implies that it's possible. When God is telling us, live on the believed side of things, where you say it's already happened. Does that make sense? Yes, is it possible, but God is saying, I have already done it. I want to have that type of faith. That's how I want to live. The centurion showed Jesus that he had already believed by his actions. You see, I've been praying for something specific in my life for a while. About a little over a year now. My youngest daughter, she's going to be a year and a half soon, her name's Aria, she got diagnosed with something called F-Pies. And what this is, and I want to make sure I say it right, because I always say it wrong, it's food protein induced, really long word, okay? (laughs) And what this is, is we found out, because our oldest daughter, McKenna, who's three, she has very severe gluten and dairy allergies. And when we started feeding Aria, we thought that that might be the case as well. But we quickly found out that she has something even more severe called F-Pies. We figured this out when I literally gave her two green peas when, when she first started eating. I gave her two green peas. I mushed them up on her tray. She ate two of them. And a few hours later, we were up in Children's Hospital Emergency Room. What this is, is there's really not a great way to explain it without knowing all the details. It is like food allergies, but you can't test for anything. So every new food we introduced to her is scary. scary. Because we don't know if she's going to rant. We can't test her to go, Oh, she can't have these foods, these foods, these foods, these foods. It's something that we have to process through. We have to make a list. She can have this, 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 and this. And I'll tell you what. For a long time, Lauren and I lived in fear of this. You give her a new food and you just sit there scared. Like, is my baby girl uh, about to have to go to the emergency room? Is she going to go into shock? Is she going to pass out? What's going to happen? Is she just going to start vomiting uncontrollably? And we lived in fear. I remember we sat down when we started learning all of this a while ago. And we said, you know what? We're going to live in faith. We're going to pray in faith. And we sat down and said, God, we don't understand this situation. Lord, I'm not God. I don't understand your thoughts. I don't know your timing, but you know what? I believe you have healed my daughter. I want to pray in that type of faith. I want to pray in a believed faith. Because I think too many times I give myself an out when I say, God, you can do this. When instead I go, God, you have done this. And I don't know his timing. Maybe God healed her instantly. He might heal her today. He might heal her tomorrow. He might heal her in 10 years. But I want to have that faith that prompts God that says, you know what? I'm calling on you to move. Because God, I need you in this situation. You can change this to it is done when your belief is rooted in who Jesus says he is. You know, it's a mental shift. It's a faith shift in our our mind. Because if the Bible tells us that he delivers us, that he's a deliverer, you can't just pray, God, you can deliver me. You pray, God, you will deliver me. The Bible tells you who he is. It's not, this might be who Jesus is. This could be who Jesus is. This is our God. So our faith. It proves whether you believe God does what he says he will do and he is who he says he will be. You know, with this type of faith, you can believe in the impossible. With this type of faith, you can ask for the improbable. With this type of faith, you can believe in healing. You can believe in restoration. You can believe in miracles. I was talking with a friend recently, And we were looking at all these stories from third world countries. Where if you haven't heard, there's miracles happening. In front of people's eyes, Jesus is still doing miracles like this right here. And the question was asked, why doesn't God do that here? Why don't don't we see that happen? Let's go back to what we talked to. Guess what? Their only option is Jesus. Jesus. They don't have all the resources we have to run to someone else, to run to something else. Their option is, Jesus, I'm running to you. You're all I got. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to recognize who you are, and I'm going to believe that it can be done and will be done. I want that type of faith. This is what I've been praying for. So ask, recognize, believe. I wanted to keep it simple today. To ask, recognize, believe. How do we have faith like the centurion? We ask, we recognize, we believe. Can everyone say that with me one time? Ask, recognize, believe. That's how you strengthen your faith. One thing I couldn't stop thinking about in this story. After this big encounter with Jesus... This Roman centurion finally makes it up unto the presence of God Almighty. This man he had heard could heal the sick, could make the blind to see. He finally makes it up into his presence. He tells him what's going on. And Jesus says, I'll come to your house. He says, no, you don't have to. Just say the word. And Jesus says, because you have believed, your servant will be healed. You know what I couldn't get out of my mind? That centurion didn't have a cell phone to be like, Hold on one second, Jesus. Hey, did it happen? Is he healed? Do you know what he had to do? He had to leave the crowd. He had to leave that moment. And he had to walk in faith. I wonder how he walked home. Was he thinking, oh no. I should have had Jesus. I should have had him come to my house. I should have had him touch my friend. What was I thinking? Oh, did I make the right decision? Is this even going to happen? I'm doubting it. What's going on? No, no, no. I believe the opposite. I believe that centurion was walking tall, head held high. He was strutting, going, you know what? I believe Jesus healed my friend today. I'm about to go home. I bet he was running. He was running home because he knew when he opened those doors, his friend was going to say, look at what Jesus has done to me. I am healed. I am free in Christ. Some of you today need to quit limping in doubt. You need to quit limping in fear, and you need to start walking in faith. You need to start running in who God says you are. You need to start running because Jesus says, you know what? When you come to me and ask, when you recognize my ability in this situation, when you believe I can do anything, that's the type of faith that I want, right? You know what? Some of you are like, man, that seems like a big, big leap of faith. Don't take a leap of faith. Take a step of faith. And take another step of faith. Take another one. And another one. And another one. And then see how quickly you're running. Because your faith is strengthened in the name of Jesus Christ and who He is and what He wants to do in your life. You may be doubting in disease. You may be doubting in your sin. You may be limping in fear. But today's the day. Today, church. Today, LaGrange today's the day you take a step of faith and you take another one and you take another one and another one because sometimes your step of faith is what's going to lead you to the miracle